Leadership Expose podcast. This podcast is for leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business topics, trends, innovation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we meet a seasoned bilingual global business leader who is passionate about people, business, technology, world affairs, startups, scale-ups, leadership, innovation, and so many other cultural related elements, and is very social and um, very outdoorsy as well, um, and brings a lot of knowledge around economic development. We're joined by Roberto Alice, who is the CEO of Alice International Business Relations and Spanglish Digital Agency. And he's also a speaker, trainer, and facilitator. We'll learn about his journey and experiences but also how he enables and integrates the best of cultures and helps clients and participants implement new skills, knowledge, and behaviors to succeed in their careers. Welcome, Roberto. How are you doing today? Wow, Stephen. Thank you so very much for that wonderful introduction. That's very kind of you. I'm very excited and thrilled to be in your show today. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing very good, and you know, Roberto. Just before the call today, we uh, we were chatting about where we are from, you know, and uh, yes, I'm you know, as you know, uh, I'm from Toronto uh, in Canada, and now living in the uh, in the UK. Uh, but tell us a little bit about you. Where are you based? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That struck me about you, Stephen. It's fantastic to know, you know, that uh, you're from Canada and you live in the UK now. That's phenomenal, wonderful, actually. Yeah, I'm originally from El Salvador, Central America. I moved to Canada 15, 16 years ago, actually, and I call Edmonton home now. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, how integrated are you with Edmonton? You know, I'm very integrated, actually. As a matter of fact, when it comes to weather, people call me crazy because I have the tendency to enjoy every single season, you know. Um, I know in the UK has been very hot lately, and uh, I feel for you guys because last year uh, here for us in Canada was very hot as well. Yeah. Locally, this summer has been has been good. Uh, it's rainy right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, but cold, I mean, winter can be very cold, and I have the tendency to enjoy it, to be honest with you. And if you talk about integration, it doesn't get any better than that. Really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the no, Edmonton time here in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know Edmonton is a beautiful place. It's lovely, uh, but we're very curious to hear about your journey, Roberto. Tell us about your personal journey and how it has uh, intersected with your professional journey. Go on. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So. I started my career in entrepreneurship six years ago. Um, I was working for the largest power line construction company at the time. If I need to get back a little bit, actually, when I moved first, uh, first time to Canada, I moved uh, thanks to an opportunity with a food manufacturing company at the time. I came as a temporary foreign worker. From there, I made my way up to get my permanent residency and I integrated fully to the society in terms of uh, understanding better the culture 
I got uh, opportunities where I was uh, working in the customer service spectrum uh, of things. From there, I moved and worked with the one of the largest power line construction companies in Canada at the time. When I came into the company, we were 350 or 400 employees. Within 90 days, we grow to be 1,500 uh, employees. So it was a massive growth. And what is fascinating about that opportunity, Stephen, why I want to mention is that it was eye-opening to me in the terms of um, knowing about the construction industry, knowing, knowing about uh, human resources and health, safety, and environment, which I was part of. And I was in, in charge of the skill TFW program, which is Central Front Worker Program, and help also with the training from this company. I was with this company for almost four years, I mean. And at that time, my gosh, man, I, I learned so much about the industry. And I was in charge of training and coordinating uh, and directing many programs for, for these employees, for international employees. One of them, of course, is the Canadiana Integration. Uh, workforce program that we developed for them. Um, also, helping the company have a better understanding of the different cultures of these workers. We have people, actually, more than 70% were from UK, from um, London area, from Northern Ireland, from Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, different accents, different cultures, for sure, and Mexico, and so on and so forth. Through that experience, I decided to move out of the company and pursue other opportunities at the time seems more suitable. Then a recession hit it and I couldn't find uh, a job, an opportunity that was suitable to what I was looking for. Then I decided uh, to create my own opportunities. Uh, that phrase that it says, if you don't find what you're looking for, create it. I believe in that. So what I decided doing, Stephen, is that I, on the piece of paper, I divided the piece of paper into columns. On the left side, I put my soft skills and my qualities, what I was good at. And on the right side, all the academia and experiencing expertise and ahead of the time. Give you an example, uh, my leadership skills, my communication skills, uh, then I was bilingual English and Spanish. Also the experience that I have so far in HR, HSME, and customer service in marketing advertising as well. The experience that I have nationally here in Canada, but also internationally in Latin America. It won't have provided me with an opportunity to say, okay, I can create something here. From there, excuse me, from there, I went to work um, with some small companies and helping like a consultancy in terms of advertising and marketing. And I started to built up my clientele to the point that I decided to, send, to, to bring people to go internationally to South and Central America to create business opportunities internationally for these Canadian companies in terms of joint ventures and relations as well, development relations with governments, uh, with private sectors in, in Latin America. So a little bit, the nutshell. <laughs> Well, but that's, that's that's wonderful. I like the way you actually described how you actually started jotting down, you know, your skills and so forth. Is that is that something that you actually uh, teach and coach some of the clients or some of the 
um, you, you know, you know, you know, uh, business owners on how to how, how to become a little bit more clear on what they're looking for. You know, it's a very interesting question because before I don't know where even that came from. And I just went like, you know what, I need to spend my time to sit down and really make this an exercise. And to the answer to the, the answer to your question is absolutely yes. I have actually done that to some of the clients that I had coached one on one as the ones that I have had the opportunity to to provide a keynote speaking engagements in, in Latin America to groups of uh, you know hundreds of people in, in Latin America have been very fortunate actually to to be invited to participate at uh, these conferences. But yes, I, I do that. And the way that I do that is that I ask the, the, the participants to think about their own qualities. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, through that experience, I have developed a um, personal brand assessment program that is very unique to our company under Atlas International Spanish that we help clients to have a better understanding of their uniqueness and how they can apply that to their careers. But also when it comes to a client that is so new in terms of uh, establishing a business, we help them to put a brand in place, extracting those elements from this personal brand assessment. For instance, one of the questions that we have developed on the personal brand assessment is you need to ask to 10 people in your network uh, from 18 years old all the way to 90 years old, 10 people, five women, five men, that uh, needs to be at least two family members. Then the rest has to be peers or people that you know from different backgrounds. Like the more diversified, the better. And there is a series of questions that you ask, a questionnaire that you ask these people. By the way, you have to, uh, you have to make this the most interactive way possible. Uh, and this is something I would love to share with you in the audience. And so what you will do is you need to ask your, your, this uh, questionnaire to these 10 people whether it's in person or via video. And one of the rules is you need to ask a question and they need to answer that question right away without hesitation. The first thought that comes to, to come to their mind is the real, uh, the real answer. Too. One of the questions, for instance, is if you had to compare me with a very well-known brand, if you had to compare myself with a very well-known brand, what is that brand? What is the brand that comes first to your mind? Some people will say Aston Martin. Some people will say, um, uh, let's say Louis Vuitton, right? Some people say Hugo Boss, uh, and so on and so forth. And what is interesting is that we extract that information at the end. Another question, for instance, is what is the first color that comes to mind when you think of me? People will say red, blue. And what is fascinating, there is a pattern that we identify after all. For instance, we find that eight out of, out of 10 has said red, or seven out of 10 has said red, and then the other three say blue. Yeah. And then we take as the color, we take construction of that, and we compare it. We say we, me, and my team. If it's for a brand purpose, we extract the brands and what these brands operate, and the quality of colors, and we extract that information that people have put together, and we bring this to the client, say, saying that your personality, based on your own questionnaire, because this is again part of, of the entire uh, program that we have for them, is yeah. this, this, and that. Which is interesting is that. Out of the 10 people we track, this and this, these people categorize you under this, which match some of your description, right? Or describe you as this, this, and that. Would you agree? And they say, yes, right? 
And it's fascinating because it's like I opening for them and say, I never thought that I could influence people that way or that people would perceive me that way. What that gives us is the opportunity to be more effective in our approach, in our strategy. If it's for a career to get, have a better understanding of knowing yourself, how you present yourself, how people perceive you, and how you can utilize, yeah. uh, utilize those elements to be more effective. When it comes to a business, how can you create a strategy when it comes to marketing and advertising, or even the people that work under the brand umbrella that you are creating yeah. that understands those values and that can reflect those values? Example, that is Apple and Google, right? And how that business culture can transcend to the point that you don't need to be there in the headquarters all the time, but people will live and breathe your brand. And it's very fascinating because as far as we know, based on the feedback we have received from, from, from clients and first alike, nobody has done that before. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's something that we are very proud of and personally yeah. myself too. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 such, it's such an important aspect, isn't it? Uh, branding both from a personal perspective but also from a business perspective um and uh, it sounds like that is that is one of the core areas now um you, roberta you're you're the ceo at um alas international business relations as well as a spanglish digital agency what other core areas do you offer there is international business relations. What is that all about? And how, 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 how do you operate within that space? Absolutely. Thanks. One of the ways that we operate pre-COVID is that we help our clients identify opportunities in Latin America. <clears throat> with all the respect through my experience working with Canadians, there is a lack of true knowledge and understanding of what the Latin American market, which is called emerging markets. Um, can offer and most Canadians do business in the States which is which is great but I found that there is a factor of ignorance for a, for a like a better expression that many Canadians have they don't have a fully understanding what the Latin American market offers I'll give you an example for instance if there is a Canadian manufacturing company <clears throat> that let's say the industry is aluminum and they are looking to build a product. They have access to aluminum. And so what we can do is integrate companies in the state in Mexico that can create this model of this product and benefit the company, the Canadian company, through NAFTA. Another, another uh, example is, let's say, a owner of the company has fallen in love with Chile or a particular country in Latin America and they eventually want to retire there. So part of their exit strategy or, or retirement plan is to grow their company internationally and eventually in the next 10, 15 or 25 years, whether the exit strategy includes uh, a generational business, which is given to their sons and daughters, and then eventually retire and look after the operations in this Latin American country we look at the products and services. We look at uh, the demographics they want to sell it to. We look also if the country in Latin America, for instance, Chile has a free trade agreement with Canada. Panama has a free trade agreement with Canada. But if the country they want to move with doesn't have a free trade agreement, somehow integrate companies with uh, located in these countries where they have free trade agreements to integrate the strategy in a way that will make sense to, to, the, to the customer. 
but first and foremost is for the customer to understand that the culture in Latin America is absolutely totally different than the way we do business in the States or do business in Canada and for that matter, or even with Europe. And so cultural the business, the cultural business aspect of things is first and foremost. And people need to have understanding that it's not the same when you go an all-inclusive hotel and you interact with the people at hotel and ask for two beers in Spanish and people laugh about it. It's a serious factor in understanding the culture. And we help them, we help them to navigate those uh, cultural aspects of, of, um, of the strategy, right, when we go internationally. Yeah. So, and and Roberto, is it? Uh, it's, it's it's such an interesting piece, right? When we when we talk about different regions, different cultures, and doing business in a different manner altogether. So, is it is it right to summarize that you are kind of that common denominator or that that glue that brings um, you know businesses in these two regions, Latin America and let's say Canada, for example both from a cultural perspective but also um, inserting yourself on their growth plans or their strategies to help them grow their businesses in these new markets yeah absolutely Stephen. that's very well said so the way that i work is that i have consultants also that i bring on board from time to time uh under contract um here in canada and also international latin america and give you an example of that is uh, one of my clients, former clients, uh, wonderful gentleman, wonderful family. Uh, they wanted to build a medical tourism company and really want to do it with a way to really help people uh, have a better understanding of uh, the implications of traveling internationally, especially for medical purposes. Many people in the States, as I said, in Canada, they don't have uh, premium access to medical services when it comes, for instance, for knee replacements, hip replacements, and that won't cost them a leg, <laughs> you know? Um, so they had an experience where it wasn't the best experience ever. And because of that, they want to do things differently. So what ended up happening with this client is that he didn't have any idea of where to start. And so we helped him put all the things together, establishing the business. We built up the brand for him, everything. And within 90 days, the first country we went internationally was Mexico, went to Guadalajara. As a matter of fact, it was my first time going to Mexico as well, and I didn't know anybody. And so within those first 90 days, I make a research on the best hospitals. I established the relationship directly with the operations and the directors of these hospitals in, in, in Guadalajara, the top of the top that you can imagine the best specialists actually in the country in Mexico, in this region in Guadalajara. And so we ended up going on official visits. They treated us so well. Part of that experience, we ended up meeting with other um, doctors and, and medical staff. And one of the experiences that I recall with him, he was so excited. And this is the thing about Latin America. We are very warm. When you do business in Latin America, you have to be sure not to be in the rush. You have to be sure that you open up and speak to people about you, about your family, about what you like, and build up that report is key. Mm. And so I recall that we were in a conversation, of course, the Mexican counterparts, they will only spoke Spanish, and my client only spoke English. 
And so as we were having the conversation, I was in the middle ensuring everything was going well. By the way, before I meet with my clients, I am very meticulous in putting the agendas together. Everything with detail. 7 or 1 a.m., we are going to have breakfast. 7, 17, we're going to do this like, like that. I give them an entire itinerary of side of week. We're going to meet and everything. So they are prepared and do's and don'ts. So I spoke with my client about it. I said, be sure when you do the handshake, you're not committed to anything because the handshake is very important in Latin American commitment, right? For Latin Americans. So anyways, we're having this conversation and the medical uh, representatives that we're meeting with in Mexico, they were very excited and they were talking about uh, some of the business they want to do with my client. And I was uh, interpreting for my client, you know, English to Spanish, uh, sorry, Spanish to English and vice versa. And so as they were going on in Spanish before I could uh, interpret that to my client, my client was so excited because he used a lot of body language and he jumped. And, and the guys, by the way, the Mexican guys extend their hand like an agreement. And he was so happy and extend the hand in agreement too before he reached the hand as he intervened in the middle and had to sit firm and say no. And I said to the guys in Espanol, un momento, right? One moment, please. And I said to my client, let me, let, let me deal with this. I will interpret it to you later in English when I do it, okay? He said, yeah, absolutely. And so my client was very nervous, right? And I said to the guys in Spanish, in Spanish, I said, gentlemen, I think I established the rules of the conversation from the very beginning. I don't appreciate that you going ahead and trying to close a deal when you know that my client don't understand fully and truly Spanish and the terms and conditions of what the deal may mean. So therefore, I will ask you that from now on, you will wait for me until I transfer to my client, and before we can commit my client, I will always discuss later and get back to you, okay? And they will chug, say, yeah, sorry, whatever, and then I explain to my client, so we didn't, did a handshake as a courtesy uh, at the end of the conversation, but just as an end of the conversation. And then my client apologized with me, thanked me after I explained to him what happened. And so eventually they want to close the deal without my client fully understanding the terms and conditions. And I said, no. And so we didn't end up doing a deal with them, but we did it with other, with other medical, medical staff. We built up an agreement, a professional agreement to send Canadians to, to this facility there. After that trip, we ended up going to El Salvador of meeting with uh, government officials through my connections as well that facilitate a meeting one-on-one People need to understand something that meeting with officials, with government officials in Latin America, it is tough. It is very hard. They have to know who you are or that you have to know somebody that they know them very well. It is easier for you to have to land a meeting with a prime minister uh, or with a, a diplomatic or a politician in, in UK, Canada, and the US that is in Latin America. It's a very hierarchy culture, you know? It's very interesting. And so through that experience, uh, they speed us up uh, to meet with 10 of the best doctors that they have selected out of 400 medical doctors. At the time, they were, one of the, they were with the best of the best in Central America. Through that experience, when they are connecting one of the best clinics for stem cell treatment. And that is one of the main cores that now my clients' business do. And we have actually already brought Canadians to do stem cell treatment in Central America. 
prior to COVID. And it's one of the success stories that built up an opportunity for the Canadian client on open the culture, but establishing a strong relationship with government officials, a strong relationship with the business individuals in the private sector, and of course, a strong relationship, business relationship with their clients as well. And how this can really all can integrate into a strategy that he can establish from now on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such an important aspect as you were just describing, um, being that pivot point, um, especially from a cultural because one one wrong move, and you can agree to something <laughs> that is not in your yeah. favor. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and given the fact that my client didn't have any alcohol, he doesn't drink, but he was just exciting, right? He said, "Wow, I wasn't, I didn't even have the opportunity to think that all this was possible." Yeah. And of yeah. course, you are. I find that with my clients that that's something that is, that surprised them so much. That said, it's so easy, um, because again, it's all about experience, right? And many things uh, that you learn, you only learn as you go. Yeah, you know, so you can only be prepared, right? Yeah. But really, having that understanding is is key for sure. Yeah. Uh, Roberto, has anything shifted since pandemic or during the pandemic on how you uh, how you're uh, integrating different markets and businesses? Yes, actually, it has. Uh, uh, an, another story I wanna I wanna share with you is even. And I don't want to go ahead of uh, course of the interview, but I want to share with you about a story with a client that uh, prior, prior to COVID also, I helped him uh, get into a project that was a multi-million dollar project. I don't know if you want to wait for that or you want me to share now? No, that. go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah. So pre-COVID as well, in 2018, I had the opportunity to travel internationally five times, seven times, something like that. Uh, the state, Mexico, El Salvador, uh, South America as well. Um, so one of the clients that I help, he is in the commercial class. And uh, this client is very meticulous. Oh my gosh, he asks for anything, everything you can think of. And one of my natures, Stephen, is that I like, to, I like a good challenge. I like to be challenged, thing is in my nature, to find a solution. And I worked with this client for an entire year. Uh, I worked very hard to establishing to establish good rapport and good relationships with people in Central and South America. And when that all happening in that year, I established a relationship with people in construction. And through that experience, we ended up connecting with a glass company in Central America. So they would involve in a 350 million US dollar project to expand uh, an expansion of one of the top international airports in the region. And by expansion, I mean the new construction and also, you know, remodelation of, of the, uh, the current installations too. Part of that is that the new infrastructure required 80% of glass. And the company that we have established uh, work with, I'm pretty much sold the opportunity to have my client hire, give you a little bit of feedback while my client was talking. He said, I want a company that can hire me in my expertise, then I can retire eventually to Central Latin America, utilizing my expertise, 
bringing you know top-notch uh, knowledge that I can go there and, and bring my people and everything. Every single thing that this client asks, Stephen, check, 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 check. It's like the universe line of stars. So this company gave us the opportunity to be part of this project with them, which included my clients to be there, been flying out of the region, Central America to Canada every two weeks. Uh, we are talking about the opportunity for my client to, to earn at least between 10 and 20 million dollars per year. Okay, part of that is I was going to have 20%. Okay, it was our agreement uh, out of that deal. And so everything lined up, they sent me the blueprints, they want the codes, they want my client to be there present, but also to bring equipment from Canada, to bring people from Canada to work in this mega project in Central America. Of course, I was excited and very grateful for the opportunity. So, of course, we came back and Everything was perfect. And I sent the information to my client and I didn't hear back from him. And it was delayed. And I said, I tried to follow up. I said, what's going on? The clients in Central America are waiting for the codes and this and that. And he said, yeah, yeah, just very busy here. And very busy here. And to my surprise, I found that he, he got COVID. Oh. And he didn't, oh my gosh, he didn't even honest with me up front say Roberto you know what this project is bigger than I thought I cannot handle it I cannot do it I want to keep myself small and all the stuff that I share with you it's just a fantasy I'm not actually committing to, to do anything serious at least have the courtesy to tell me so I can find other people because the kind of guys that try to be loyal as possible you know, to my clients and not just jump to another client that can come on board and say, yeah, let's go in, especially when everything is lined up. And so what ended up happening is that I, we lost that project. And a uh, month later, I talked to him and he finally said, yeah, sorry, it was so big for me and this and that, but he tried to, to keep his pride on. And I said, come on, man. And he said, yeah, why well, you didn't look at other people? I said, are you kidding me? That's a conflict of interest. You told me that during those times, I would have done that. And I was so pissed. I was angry at myself as well. I was frustrated. Of course, my name was in jeopardy now with the companies there in, in Central America. Because of that, I, of course, reached out to them. I apologized. I said the truth. I said, sorry, the client, you know, uh, had a COVID. Some other projects come up here and for some he won't come in. And in my end, I was psychologically, uh, I mean, psychologically, financially, mentally, emotionally affected, Stephen. It was a time that was dark for me. And from time to time, those memories still come. And of course, I'm better now. But it definitely affected me. Affected me emotionally, financially, mentally. And for some, quite some time, I feel that I, I feel feel a failure. I feel like I couldn't couldn't do anything, you know, and for that matter, right? I was angry at myself. That was the hardest uh forgiving myself and shake it off and move on. It took me almost a year uh, out of that experience. Of course I <laughs> I didn't receive uh, 
you know, like like a signs of a, a final list of uh, of understanding from my client at the time that he affected me so much. So a great gent overall. We had a good, strong relationship. But when it comes to business, that is something that I learned that I cannot trust him anymore. Um, not going internationally, talking with other peers, sharing in confidence this with them. They say, Roberto, you're missing the point here. As a matter of fact, you've been successful. Realize that you, you alone, yeah. within that year, you work your ass off. You made that happen. Your client, unfortunately, didn't took it, but on him, that's something he will live with his entire life. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a coward. Uh, he, he couldn't commit his work to you. Yeah. Always finding other solutions for you, he, whatever reason he had. But you, you ended up finding that project. You ended up lining up the opportunities. You landed a $350 million project for a Canadian company nobody knew in Central America. As tough as the culture is there, you open up that door. You open up that opportunity. And you know, that is something that uh, I embrace till today. And really, it's one of my goals to find a project like that again to the right people, to the right company that really commits and want to grow and expand. Yeah. Uh, definitely taught me a lot of lessons. Uh, again, ask for money up front. Don't settle for less. Uh, establish the rules of the game. Don't be afraid to ask for what you are worth and to put it in writing. Uh, and manage everything your own. Um, so, yeah, it's just a very, very interesting uh, experience, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and Roberto, as you were just describing it, it's... Uh... It's it's important to just take a moment to, to to recognize that you're a human being as well. You're a human. You're a human. You know to have gone through those uncertainties and 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 the emotions, but also as you were describing, you were instrumental in making those connections and bringing sense and order and 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 basically life to a part of that business that you were looking to 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 collaborate with uh with, with with the other company as well so you were basically instrumental in all of this but what was also interesting is 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 the lessons that you've learned from it through all the fears and uncertainties and the emotions that you've gone through and how you've dealt with uh you know your your fears and um and, and how you've actually progressed since and that's mm -hmm. resilience so you've you, you've learned how to do business even better now, but you've also learned how to deal with yourself. And I think this is this is leadership at the end of the day. You see, you've I, you've, you've, you've 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 gone through some some major shifts in your journey, which has resulted you in becoming more resilient, but also knowledgeable on how to deal with. Um, situations head-on personally Thank in the business world yeah that's big lessons that people can learn from you as a leader you're very kind thank you i appreciate your kind words thank you thank you so much yeah uh, yeah yeah i i definitely see that you know what is even being fully honest with you i i think i'm 
like the many people that are listening right now, they are not ashamed about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, we all have gone through that. Um, and we definitely all have work to do on our own. Definitely have made mistakes in the past. Definitely having that, uh, having all, all those uh, valid factors that you have, uh, you have shared, which I'm very appreciative. Believing that is one of the hardest for me, you know, uh, get rid of that imposter syndrome, particularly after an experience like that happened, right? <laughs> because you blame yourself. And that yeah. was the hardest. I, I was so in so much resentment, like you have no idea. It was a very dark place. But um, yeah, you come out, out of it stronger. I, I believe in that, at least that's, that's my experience. But it's really having that self-commitment to yourself to, to not acknowledge yourself that hey in all honesty in a pragmatic way put yeah. things on this you know in perspective right yeah. and you go yeah actually, i did everything in my power i landed that it wasn't the right individual unfortunately uh but with the right individual the right company oh my gosh we have done and that's something that still lies up in my face because you're thinking of the endless possibilities you know being part of a mega project like that of course the cash flow and the seven figures that will be benefiting me tremendously yeah. uh and so many things but to your point the leaders leadership aspect of it i think that uh yeah having that that acknowledgement that self-acknowledgement is, is important and uh, i'm very appreciative of you all uh, for your yeah. kind words absolutely thank you yeah. So Roberto, um, what what uh, important topics or trends are on your mind these days, aside from all the the day-to-day -day things that you're doing that impact people or businesses or leaders? Yeah, well, one of the things that in the past three years after COVID, for instance, I've been more into it is reading more, reading more books or listening to audiobooks. A personal development for me is always at most. Uh, the, I, I am practicing right now three, my, my focus is on three Fs, okay? Finances, fitness, and faith. Those three. Finances, fitness, and faith. Finances, of course, the business aspect of it. Um, the fitness aspect of it, of course, the body. And the faith is the mental aspect of it, the personal development as well, the spiritual aspect of it, right? Which I think is integral. Uh, one of the things that uh, came this week, actually, as a kind reminder, in one of the um, the documentaries I was watching for personal development, is that we live. Uh, actually, it was an audiobook. I remember now, we live so much in the past and in the future, and so true. We live so much. Our minds are so much living in the past, or sometimes in the future that we are not living the present moment fully. We are thinking between 50 and 60,000 thoughts per day, which is not to think about it. And just being mindful, you know, mindfulness is, is key. So that's one of the topics that is uh, lately in my mind, really thinking about my personal development, how I helping myself to be better. How can I do better this day? And with it, how can I help other people? How I can, help with my experience or expertise or other individuals around me. So those are, are the topics that are 
more constantly in, in my mind, personal development, again, uh, mindfulness, very, very key as well. Yeah, a very, very important aspects. So let's, uh, let's talk about you a little bit more, Roberto. What does, uh, what does the day in the life of Roberto look like? Oh my gosh, it's been <laughs> my variety. So on a day-to-day -day basis, up around 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., I do my meditation, uh, least 60 minutes of meditation. I try to put my workout uh, early in the morning. If not, I need to make at least an hour, hour and a half for my workout every day. Uh, usually it goes to meetings. Of course, checking out my emails first and foremost after my meditation, my workout, because of that order. Phone calls. Um, before I start the week, actually something that I learned from uh, Darren Hardy. He is the CEO of the Success Magazine. And one of the books that I will recommend, if I may, to your podcast is The Compound Effect. Mm -hmm. And wonderful book, man. Wonderful book. And so Darren, one of the uh, things that I adopt from him is that he plans his week on Sunday, Sunday night. And so I'm doing that. I do plan my week on Sunday night, and usually I always review my agenda uh, on Monday for the entire week again, and Monday to Tuesday, and then Tuesday to Wednesday, every day, right? And I usually book myself within two weeks in advance. And so my days goes that way. I have meetings, lunch meetings, sometimes video meetings. Now, you know, with, uh, with the internet and COVID, that has definitely shaped the way that people interact. And as we're doing now, for instance, we are connected, you know, all the way to London. Um, and so coming back home, do some cooking, and have a little bit of downtime, maybe an hour, read something. Excuse me, plan my day again. Sometimes my day finishes at 11 p.m. Sometimes my day finishes, <laughs> depends how my day was, uh, midnight or 1 a.m. I try to be very, very disciplined. You know, my day finishes at 11 and get up at this certain time. From time to time, especially with my team with Spanglish, uh, I have a team in, in Canada, the States, in Central and South America. And sometimes we have meetings with my strategic team, my creative team at nighttime. Uh, so sometimes it depends on the project, we might end up you know, I might end up working until 11 p.m. or to midnight, as mentioned before. So, and typically, I like to operate as go, go, go. I like to, to be busy the way that I'm wired, and I enjoy that. And I try also to have a little bit of life balance. I love the outdoors, try to go for hiking, so, you know, go to the, to the mountains as much as possible. It's very therapeutic to me. So definitely on the weekends, I try to find some downtime to, you know, uh, fit my spirituality, my my soul in that way, you know, to to recharge. Wonderful. And what's the, what's the next big business or personal adventure for you? Yeah, right now I'm very exciting. I tend to pursue uh, some work opportunities with technology companies, the tech sector, um, with some companies in Eastern Canada, and I said it's getting Western Canada too. And the intention is to help them find uh, international talent for them and bring some of my expertise as an advisor as well when it comes to integrating multicultural teams because many companies have the challenge of dealing with international teams. Let's say they have a project, 
let's say it's a Canadian company, they have a big project for an American client. That will require to integrate teams in Canada, uh, Germany, uh, France, uh, Colombia, let's say El Salvador, uh, Spain per se, you know, Italy. And what you, when, when this company is fine is that the integrality part of it in terms of the culture and also being punctual and the deliverables, sometimes it creates chaos. So companies need sometimes a guide in how to integrate better multicultural teams, how to integrate and distribute the work task in a more effective way possible. So the time is key, but also, again, the, the way that you integrate the teams and the deliverables so the client can have the best experience possible is one of the challenges that most companies face, particularly now in tech, yeah. when they have an international talent in these different countries, right? Uh, so yeah, that's something that I, I started to have some conversations with some companies and bring me on board to help them have that integrality, integrality into these multicultural teams for them to be more effective, productive, and of course, uh, to have better results in the process. Yeah, no, new adventures there. Roberto, we're coming to a close. Is there any uh, closing messages or a challenge to other leaders? or any topics that you'd want to share? Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, I just want to thank you for the informants to you and your team. Uh, the experience to be in your podcast is phenomenal and I'm very appreciative of your time and your leadership as well for that matter. Uh, what I will say out there is that have the confidence to trust in yourself. It's an opportunity, a possibility, and a challenge as well have the opportunity or better say have the possibility to create opportunity believe in yourself in creating opportunities believe that it's possible and it will happen you know one moment or another it will happen uh, i know that for a fact i have proof of that and can be it can be done can be possible believe that can be done again possible um Feed yourself with good stuff. Right now, we live in a world that is very volatile, and my gosh, we've been so many things, man. Be sure that you filter the good stuff into your mind. Be sure you give your mindfulness and mental health an opportunity to, again, have a healthy mindset. And that connectivity of body, mind, and soul might sound cliche, but it's so important in every aspect of your life. You know, emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually, mentally. So it's important. And so that's my invitation. That is my five cents per se. No matter what, no matter who you are, no matter where you listen from, believe that you have tremendous capacity to do great things in life. Yeah. Well, Roberto, uh, thank you very much for uh, for being with us today and for sharing your journey and words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you as well, Stephen. So appreciated of you and your leadership as well. Wish you all the best you and your team. And thank you as well for the people that are listening and looking forward to connect with you soon again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Roberto. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode on an entrepreneur in Africa who is building fintech and agritech agri and farming and bringing both areas together to make a new business.
we'll learn more about that in the next episode. Thank you and have a wonderful day.